about tonight. I'm thankful uh, for the Lord. I'm thankful for what he has done. He has done great things for us. And I'm glad uh, that song, uh, it mentions a lot. Of, it also mentions some future things that he, and, and you're thinking, well, but we keep singing, uh, praise God for the things, great things he has done. Well, I'm telling you what, in the eyes of God, he's already done the things. He's already brought us to heaven. He's already uh, given us a new body. He's already prepared a place. We haven't seen it yet. The time hasn't passed, but he's already done it, just like he already did the finished work on the cross. And I'm I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm glad uh, that uh, uh, I, I'm glad for the, what the Lord has done, what he is doing now and what he will do. Uh, it's all great and it's all perfect and and uh, it's a blessing. But Romans seven twenty three, uh, we're going to look at that. The last three verses and then the verse first verse of chapter eight. So Romans seven twenty three. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, I pray as we break this open in your word, Lord, that you would bless each and every part of it, Lord, that you'd use me, Lord. I, I feel so unworthy when we get to passages like this to preach your word, but I'm glad that you filled me and you, Lord, we're asking for a filling again of the unction of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, that you'd open up our ears and our hearts, Lord, to what your word says. Lord, ground us in your truth because your word is truth. And Lord, we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So uh, there at the end of chapter 7, you know, you got to remember Paul is a saved man. He's a Christian, uh, but he is talking about things at the end of chapter 7 uh, uh, that you can see in those last verses, 17 through 23. Uh, you know, he is talking about a struggle. There is a struggle there uh, that really hits uh, the highest point of the struggle in verse 23 that we read. Uh, but the struggle basically is Paul is saying, in my mind, I know what I want to do in my spirit, uh, small s, who I am, uh, the one that's been saved by Jesus Christ. I want to serve Jesus. I want to do his will. I want to please God. I don't want to sin against God. But then on the other side, what's he saying? There's the flesh, right? There's the flesh on the other side. And it is a constant battle. And it, like I said, it culminates to verse 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He is saying, hey, uh, there is a war going on. There's a war. And here's the thing. Before we're saved, there is no war. There's no war uh, between the spirit and the flesh before we're saved because both the spirit who we are and the flesh, uh, our body, both of us wanted to sin, right? Both both went along with it uh, and, and that's why we sin. And here's the thing. As a sinner, that doesn't mean we never felt bad about our sins. 
Right? There were, there were times we knew what we were doing was wrong. There were times before we were a Christian that we said, you know, I shouldn't do this. I should do something else. But a lot of that uh, uh, was just because of uh, uh, the consequences of certain sins or, or we knew that certain people wouldn't accept certain sins or if they found out, what would it look like if we would get caught or things like that? But here Paul, a Christian man, is talking about this war that's going on and he's saying listen my desire in my heart my desire in my mind uh, is to live a perfect life but then he's saying my flesh won't let me do it right there is a war there there's a battle there and really that war is a part of the evidence that we're saved by Jesus Christ if there was no battle against the flesh and the spirit, uh, then we wouldn't even be saved. Like I said, there wouldn't. there's not a battle before we're saved. But the flesh prevents us from living perfectly. And then here's what somebody would say on the flip side. Well, if I can't live perfectly, then I might as well just live however I want and it doesn't matter, right? Well, Romans uh, chapter 6 takes care of that, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He's saying, hey, you've got to continue to war against the flesh. You've got to fight against it. You've got to strive to draw closer to the Lord, to live uh, closer to what the Bible says. And here's the thing. What happens during these times when you're not feeling like you're succeeding in the war? What, uh, what about when it feels like you're going the wrong direction, when you're not going the right way? What, uh, what about when it feels like it's impossible to improve, uh, to gain any victories or anything else as a Christian person? Look what Paul said in verse 24. He's talking about himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. He doesn't say, oh, wretched man that I was, but we were. He's saying right now, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This is the great apostle Paul. The one making these missionary journeys, the one planning churches, the one writing the, uh, this huge amount of the New Testament, the apostle, the great apostle Paul that preached to Caesar and everyone else. This is the one he saw himself wretched. Why? Because he's saying, hey, there's times I'm losing this battle. I want to live perfectly for God. I want to live perfectly for Jesus Christ. But there's a war there. And sometimes I, I'm losing these little battles trying to go against the flesh because he knows his mind wants to do things spiritually but the flesh is resisting and here's the thing we should stop right now and gain some comfort that even the apostle Paul struggled with these things right he's a real person uh, he was a, a, a powerful man of God and it's amazing what he was able to accomplish in a short amount of time but he's saying hey uh, look at it uh, even I, myself I, I haven't made it you don't see Paul near the end saying hey I finally reached where I want to be he's saying oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death and I think what he's saying right here is hey I've tried to deliver myself, right? Isn't that what we do? I'm going to get, even as a lost person, they try to turn over a new leaf. You know, as a Christian person, we can try to do the same thing. You know what? I'm going to do better, right? I'm going to do better. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to push. I'm going to do these different things. But when he is talking about this wretched man, he's talking about a man that's exhausted. Why? Because it's impossible. 
It's impossible. So then, uh, because he's trying to do it in and of himself until he gets to this this part right here, finally he's saying, who shall deliver me? I can't deliver myself. I can't bring myself closer to God. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to get yourself closer to God? Doesn't work very well, does it? He's got to help us to get closer to him. It's got to be his grace, his strength, his wisdom, his power to break some of these things that try to overtake our lives. We can't break the power of the law, right? It takes salvation through Jesus to do that because he perfectly lived the law. So here's the thing. Again, like I've said, after we're saved, do we come perfect? No. First John 1 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. First John 1 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know when the time will stop sinning? When we leave this earth, when we're glorified, when we get a new body without this sinful flesh, when it's gone, that's uh, when we'll have that new body that's never even experienced sin and won't desire it. And here's the problem. We, you know, the Bible talks about people who believe they were sinless, right? And they, these were ones that self-justified themselves. They, they justified themselves. Who were, they were the Pharisees, right? We're Abraham's seed. What are you talking about? We don't need a, a physician. We don't need healing. We don't need forgiveness of sin. We're already, we're already good in God's eyes. That's why he talked so powerfully against them to try to wake them up to realize, hey, you are not going to be righteous in and of yourselves. And then, see, that's what the devil, he wants you to be self-righteous and think, hey, I've made it. I've reached a state of perfection. And there are churches, there are people around us that believe that. You get to a certain part and you'll never sin again on this earth. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's easy if you ignore a bunch of sins. Right? It's easy if you ignore the fact that Jesus said uh, idle thoughts in your mind and idle words and different things like that and knowing to do good and doing it not, that's a sin. Uh, I, you know, If you throw all those things away, you can get a little closer. But we sin all the time. So then the flip side, here's what the devil wants. He wants either extreme. Either you think you've made it and you're perfect or the other side, he wants you in complete despair. Right? And, and that, that you'll never do anything right, that you're, you're a failure, everything else. So you might as well just stop trying. You might as well just stop trying to serve God or do anything. And haven't we seen people on either extreme? That's what the devil wants. He, always, he loves the extremes, but both are wrong. But here's what Paul's saying. I had to look beyond myself. I realized how wretched I still am. Right? Not wretched because I've got sin on my in my life, not wretched because of the in the eyes of God or in my record. He's saying because I'm still sinning. I wish I could see here's what we wish we could do. We wish we could be a new creature in Christ, and not only that, we wish our flesh could be saved too. But we live forever. If that were the case. He's saying, man, I, I, on this life we would live forever. He's saying, man, I wish I didn't have to sin anymore. And yes, we do wish that. That's just not the way God set it up. But then he's looking in all the, he's looking at himself and saying, hey, that's not there. That's not the answer. Look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's saying, who is going to deliver this wretched man? The same one that saved the wretched man. It's Jesus Christ, right? Who is going to help? 
me when I'm warring against my own flesh, when I know what I need to do, but then I don't want to do it. Who is going to deliver me? Who's going to help me through this? It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I, I think if there's one thing the Bible could get across to us as Christians is we don't just need Jesus at the point of salvation. We do need him right there. We need him for the rest of our life. Every bit of it. There's still going to be those times where we're frustrated. What do we need? We need Jesus again. Because in our frustrations, ourselves can't help ourselves. The struggle's still there. The war is still there. But the greatest thing is we're not fighting by ourselves. Aren't you You know, when you go and you look at those Old Testament times uh, where the Lord said, I will give you the victory, they still had to get the armor on. They still had to march out there. They still had to trust God. And spiritually, it's the same way. Uh, we we are saved today. We're set free today. Uh, but we still got to put on that whole armor of God. We still have to have that Bible. We still have to uh, uh, pray to the Lord and ask for his grace and strength. And we got to march out there and walk by faith. We still have to do that. But we are not alone when we're fighting. He's the one that's given us victory over sin. And that law was a schoolmaster. It taught us what sin was. It taught us that we were sinners. We wouldn't have known without it. And here's the thing. We couldn't change ourselves no matter how motivated we are. But then you think about Jesus, right? What do they want Jesus to be? They want him to be the teacher. Well, the law was the teacher, right? Jesus didn't come and, and, and use teaching because, listen, we couldn't teach our way out of our sin problem, Right? If we could, the law could teach us out of it, but it, it showed us how bad we were. That's what it showed us, right? So he didn't come as a teacher, or here's the other one. A lot of, lot of, I call them modern day, or whatever you want to call them, churches. There's a lot of churches here uh, today. Uh, they, they have fancy names. A lot of them have the something, or, you know, a lot of times they don't even have church in the name. But what I've noticed a lot of them doing is instead of having Jesus the teacher or Jesus the Savior, it becomes Jesus the motivator, right? If I can just motivate myself, right? If I can just lift myself up and make myself feel better and, and just, uh, you know, almost like a coach, you know, trying to rev someone up at halftime or something like that. They're down. We can get it, guys. We can, you know, we can really do this. You see a lot of that today. Right? You see a lot of this as if Jesus is the motivator, but again, we can't motivate our way out of this. We couldn't motivate, motivate our way out of our uh, being a sinner, and we can't motivate our way into getting rid of this flesh either. It takes Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, the one who lived perfectly. Right? Turn to one another. We're still battling. Each one of us are. We can turn to Jesus. He won. And he can help us in that. Amen. Then we get to chapter 8. And chapter 8 is amazing. And it's a high point of scripture. But it's also, it's got a lot in there. Look at this verse 1. See, there is therefore. And remember, what is therefore? It's the last part. It's that chapter 7 and more that we were talking about. He's saying, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, right? He's saying for the Christian, 
that's saved by Jesus Christ, right? The one who uh, 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 repented, the one who was not only sorry uh, for their sin, but desired a new life. The one that by faith believed that Jesus came on this earth, lived a sinless life, died for the sins of the world on the cross, was buried and rose again for the one that believed that. And then for the one that called on the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sins, the one that asked for him, uh, for that relationship with them for the ones that did that you know the i'm one of them and i know i've got a lot in here that are like that the christians the true ones by the bible there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus isn't that wonderful we can stop and say jesus wiped our slate clean the fancy words justification right through his blood on the cross it wiped away our sin record and then the other half is it replaced it with the righteousness of jesus christ that's amazing when you think about that but notice it doesn't say there is therefore now no conviction right it doesn't say conviction it says condemnation What's conviction? What happens when we're saved? We know what we need to be doing. We know what sin is. And we start to wander from that narrow way. We're not lost. Right? But there's a warning sign that goes off. Right? There's that warning, that Holy Spirit, that conviction says, Hey, you wandered. You're off the straight and narrow. You're out of my will. You're doing something sinful. It doesn't say we'll never have condemnation. Because if we begin to live sinfully. And we start to get out of God's will. The Holy Spirit's going to convict. And aren't you glad that's another sign that we're saved, right? The Bible talks about that's a sign that we're a child of God, right? A true child of God, because just like a parent, uh, and we've got uh, we've got some young ones in the house, and I tell you what, they're, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there there are times when they lead, go astray, but as often as they go astray, I remind myself how many times I go astray with God. The same thing. But if we continue in that wrong behavior and keep going, Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. First is conviction. The warning lights go off. If you keep going, then comes chastising. And that's what I was getting at with some of the, sometimes the kids, you've got to do that, right? You know what that word chastise means? It doesn't mean beat, punish. It means to train, to educate, to get him back on track. That's what it's trying to do. Not punishment. Right? You know who took the punishment? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is he trying to do? Just like a parent of a child is saying, hey, you're going in this direction. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt yourself. What do we do? Get him back in the right direction. First time you do it, you do it one way, and then they keep doing it. You got to up the ante a little bit. That's what the Lord's got to do sometimes. Again, if we keep going and ignore the conviction, the chastisement comes. Again, that's another uh, more evidence that we're saved today. I'm glad the Lord just doesn't let us go in the wrong direction unchecked. Amen. Amen. It would be hard to know that he loved me if he did that. But it's love because of that. So as Christians, he doesn't say there'll be no, uh, uh, no, um, 
No conviction. He doesn't say no, uh, uh, no chastisement, right? He doesn't say those things. But I'm glad he says no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You know what that condemnation means? It's a verdict word. It means guilty, right? Isn't that what they say? Someone's condemned to the death penalty, condemned to this prison sentence because they're guilty, or those that are lost are condemned to hell, right? For, because they've rejected the free gift of salvation. And the opposite would be this. If you're not in Jesus Christ, there is condemnation, right? You are condemned already. That's what Jesus said. But what's, as a Christian person, what's the devil do? He keeps reminding us, doesn't he? He brings up those sins. He brings up our past. You know what he loves to bring up? The sins we committed after we're saved. He loves that. That's his favorite. Because then he can turn around and say, you love God. Right first, see, in, in the tempting, he's going to say, oh, it's okay. There's no problem with it. Uh, you know, you do what you want to do. Uh, it'll be fun. You'll never get caught. And as soon as you do that, the same devil that was enticing you to do it will flip around on the other side and say, God doesn't love you anymore. Look at you. Right? Isn't that the same devil that works both sides of the same thing? Because he's a liar and a deceiver. But why does he bring these things up? Why does he continually do that? Because that he is the uh, uh, he is the one that uh, goes after the brethren. He tries to uh, uh, tries to make us remember these things. And why does this work? Why does it drag us down? Why, when he reminds us of this, it just brings us down? Because you know what we have trouble doing? We have trouble realizing we're forgiven by God. And we have trouble forgiving ourselves. Amen? Right? We And we don't forget those sins that we've committed many times. But here's the thing. When you're saved by Jesus Christ, right? Our sins are forgiven, praise God. But it gets better than that. Hebrews 10, 17, and God says this, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Not only are our sins forgiven, but they're forgotten by God. Man, I wish we could do the same thing, don't you? I wish we could do the same thing. And I'm glad, uh, I don't know if you're like us, but we misplace things. I think we've got some little hands that help that. But, you know, there's many, many times in our house that the remote, for some reason, is gone. It's there one minute, and then all of a sudden it's gone. We try looking for it, and then who knows where it went. We've misplaced it, right? Or somebody helped misplace it. That's not what God's talking about when he says, I'll remember it no more. He's not talking about misplacing keys. He's talking about, I chose to forget that. I don't ask, God doesn't accidentally forget everything. It is anything. It is a choice for him uh, to remember it no more. Let's go back to verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Oh, here's the hard part right here. After the comma, do you realize nobody likes that part? And in fact, you know, as, as preachers, a lot of times we look at different things, different commentaries and stuff to try to 
uh, see what different people say, and a lot of times I use it to figure out what not to say, uh, unfortunately, but uh, there are so many people everywhere I seem to look, and, and, and guys that I respect in different areas said the same thing. This last part of the verse doesn't belong here. They say it's wrong. Uh, the guy that copied it, uh, I mean, it's literally, they say this. If you look at verse four, who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit, they're saying, hey, what they, it's only supposed to be in verse four, but in, not in verse one. It's gotta be a mistake. Well, you're thinking, why are they all saying that? Why are so many of them saying it's a mistake? Because then they say, listen, if it really means there's no condemnation who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, then it becomes a condition of salvation, right? That's what they're saying. If you don't walk after the spirit, uh, then uh, you, you can't be saved. You can't, then condemnation comes back in and all these things. And then that makes salvation by works and not by faith. And here's the thing. You know what the easiest thing to do in the Bible when you get to a part you don't like, the easiest thing to do is just to cut it out. Yeah. Right? That's the easiest thing. Well, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. Let's just cut that thing out. And that's what they're doing. I don't like it. It's not in, the old, it's not in an older manuscript we found. It must be a mistake. And here's the thing. I could use the same logic in reverse. Well, maybe the guy in the older manuscript didn't like it, so he didn't copy that part. Right? You can use the same. That's why we don't operate by logic. Right? We don't get, we don't believe in this Bible because of logic. You know what? We believe because of faith. And here's the problem. If you start questioning that phrase, you will question so many other spots that you don't like, that don't fit your doctrine and everything else. But here's the thing. The Bible is pure, preserved. It's error free. Every bit of it. You know, I believe one of the problems is people want no condemnation, but they also don't want to walk after the Spirit. That's a problem. Can you really say you're a Christian and then say, I want to walk after the flesh all the time? That's a problem. It just is. So what happens? We want no condemnation. What happens if a Christian is walking after the flesh and not after the Spirit? They're truly saved. Will they be condemned by Jesus Christ? No. We already said it. Your sins are forgiven when you're saved. There is no condemnation. So then you have to say, now wait a second. How can this verse be true? How can that last part be true? Let me ask you this question. If a Christian is walking after the flesh and not the spirit, will they be condemned by others? And will they be condemned by the world? And will they be condemned by the devil? And will they be condemned in their own mind if they're honest with themselves? Yes. You would, this is the high point of scripture. I said right here, as a Christian life, Romans 8, you're hitting the top. You want to know what the top of Christian life is, is knowing that we are not condemned to Jesus Christ because of what he's done. But then also knowing if you want to live the most uh, guilt-free, verdict-free, uh, and everything else life, you need to be living by the Spirit. That's the top. That's the top. People want the top without living by the Spirit. I'm here to tell you, uh, you can pick this one verse, but you pick the whole Bible, it's not going to match. It's going to say, hey, 
You want the best feeling in life. You want the best uh, 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 spot to go against the attacks of the devil. You get right in the center of God's will. You walk by faith. You trust in God. You follow that Bible. Uh, you pray to the Lord and get his strength and all those things. And once you're in that one spot, that's the best place to be. But we can't stay there all the time. Why? You go back to seven. There's the war there. The war is there. There's no condemnation with Jesus Christ. We're saved. Sins are forgiven. It's forgotten because he chose to forget it. But I'm here to say the best place, and I'll say it as long as I live, and the Lord lets me to preach, the best place for a Christian to be is walking according to the Holy Spirit. In the center of God's will, according to the Bible. You know what's at that spot? No condemnation, no conviction, no chastisement, but right where the Lord wants you to be. And that's where I want to be. Now, how often am I there? I'm ashamed to really tell you. But it's those times when you are there and you realize this is what God designed me to be. This is his plan for my life. And this is my best life. It's right there. It's right there. Because you know what the world sees? They see if they're honest with themselves. Now, some of them aren't honest and they just they just hate us no matter what. But this world that's been touched by the Holy Spirit and they're, they're weighing salvation and they're fighting and they're going back and forth and everything else. When they see a Christian that's truly in the center of God's will, they don't see condemnation either. They say, look what God did in that person. They didn't motivate their way out of it. They didn't turn over a new leaf. God changed them. And that's what I want people to see about me. And I think that's how we're going to get revival. Is, is us being where God wants us to be. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. Which we can't perfectly do. I wish we could. But after the spirit. I'm glad there's a place where he wants us to be. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad when you open up the record of my sin in heaven, it's gone. Now my mind still remembers it. And the devil will remind me if I forget it. But I'm glad I'm saved tonight because of what Jesus did. I'm going to ask everyone to stand tonight.